invite you to open your Bibles with me as we turn to the book of Daniel, chapter 3. Daniel, chapter 3, beginning of verse 1. We'll read that entire chapter. It's rather an exciting chapter. So read all of it, Daniel, chapter 3, beginning of verse 1. And there the word of God reads as follows. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth 6 cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, as soon as all the people heard the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, all the people's nations and languages fell down and worshiped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews, and they declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made well and good. But if you do not worship you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the, and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image 
that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. (coughs) Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselor, did we not cast three men bound into the furnace? They answered and said to the king, true, O king. He answered and said, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire. And they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace, and he declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out. Come here. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire. And the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of these men. The hair of their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command, and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree, any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb, and their houses laid in ruins, for there is no other god who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. We pay special attention to the verses 17 and 18 where Shadrach and Meshach reply to the king and to his demands. Beloved congregation of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, conform Conform, conform. What does it mean to conform? Well, it means to go along with or to comply with the prevailing ideas, sentiments, opinions of other people in the surrounding culture. It means to surrender your independence and to go along with the crowd. What does that look like today? Well, I think on the behavioral side, conformity looks like this, hanging out at the local town pub because, after all, everybody drinks there, doing drugs because everybody else seems to be puffing, smoking, or shooting up, or recreational sex because everyone else is jumping in and out of bed, 
And the list goes on and on. On the modern ethical side, it looks like this. Accepting gay marriage as legitimate. Agreeing that abortion is a woman's right. Embracing homosexuality as an option. Thinking that changing gender is really a matter of personal choice and preference. And defending the ending of your own life as a private matter. You know, beloved, in so many and different ways, the pressure is on us to conform to ever-changing public opinion. The world wants you and me to conform. And don't you feel it at times? And doesn't it also bother you? So the question arises this morning, what shall we do? How shall we as Christians react to all of this? Well, let's together consider the topic of conformity. Let's think about it, pray about it, discuss it. And in the process, we're also going to shed some ancient light upon it as it comes to us from Daniel chapter 3. My theme this morning simply is compromise or commitment. Or if you like, capitulation or commitment. Well, beloved, I'm all sure that you're all familiar with this particular story of the fiery burning furnace. Probably if you are young, your parents, or when you were young, your parents read it to you. And perhaps it became one of your favorite all-time Bible stories. I know it became one of mine. And I even remember having a secret and pious wish that all the rest of the Bible was as exciting as this. In any case, all of this takes place thousands of years ago. It takes place in what is Babylon, today Iraq. It does so under the rule of King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar is, and you can read that in this book, A Mighty Ruler, probably the greatest ruler of his day. Only you and I know greatness has its problems, doesn't it? And what kind of problems does greatness have? Well, it tends to lead to a swelled head, a feeling of superiority, self-satisfaction. And that's now the affliction that comes upon King Nebuchadnezzar. And perhaps it all began with that dream back in, in chapter 2, the previous chapter. You remember perhaps that King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream and he called on all the wise guys in his kingdom to come forward and tell him what the dream was all about and what it meant. And they couldn't. And boy, did he lose his cool. And that is until a man by the name of Daniel stepped forward and told him what his dream was and what it meant. So what was it about? Well, you remember it was about a large statue. It was about King Nebuchadnezzar being the head, the head of gold of that great statue. And it was also about kingdoms rising and falling. And finally, it was about the God of heaven building an indestructible kingdom. Well, you know, over time, it seems that King Nebuchadnezzar forgot about the last part. But he seems to have remembered something about that statue. And especially about him being the head of gold. So one day, he decides to have something like it built. Verse 1 says that he made an image of gold 
And it was so many cubits by so many cubits, actually about 90 feet tall and 10 feet wide. And notice he sets it up in the plain of Dura. Why in the plain of Dura? Because no one could miss it there. For miles around, you would be able to see this statue. It stuck out like a sore thumb. Of course, you say, interesting, but okay, so what? So the king builds another statue. Probably he has all kinds of statues sprinkled throughout his vast domain. Well, look at what happens next. He orders a huge dedication ceremony to take place. And second, he orders a gathering of all the movers and the shakers in his vast kingdom, satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, you name it. And third, he calls upon all the orchestras and the jazz bands and the rock groups to come out and make music. And fourth, he gathers all the peoples together and he commands them to fall down and worship the golden image that he has made. And fifth, he commands all people to do this without exception. And, and you know, since the image actually represents King Nebuchadnezzar, what else is this but a bunch of people worshiping him? It would appear that Nebuchadnezzar wants to be worshipped. He wants to be worshipped as God. And indeed, he commands everyone, without exception, to worship him. Everyone in the kingdom has to conform. No exemptions are being granted. Oh, and to ensure that all of this happens exactly as he wants, he makes sure that a burning, fiery furnace is constructed. And we hear repeatedly about that furnace in verse 6, 11, 15, 17, 23. You can't miss it. Because in all those, therefore, who refuse will become like hamburger patties, forgotten hamburger patties on a barbecue. It will turn into burnt offerings and ash. So what is this? Think about it. What is this? What's really going on here? Well, you can say here we have another illustration of the state's lust for power and control and dominance. The state in the person of King Nebuchadnezzar wants all to submit to him, to recognize him, to bow before him. Because after all, this ruler knows exactly what is best. And isn't that what we see today as well? In Canada at the moment, we have a prime minister who thinks he knows what's best. In the United States, you have a president who thinks he knows best. And what is best? Everybody should agree that abortion is a right. Everybody should acknowledge same-sex marriage. They should all agree that being male or female is not a matter of biology, but of human choice. And all should get in step with Pride Month. And of course, neither my Prime Minister nor your President has burned a fiery or built a fiery furnace yet. But at the moment, they resort to threats and trying to restrict 
funding to organizations that don't see things their way and don't agree with them. But you know, the handwriting is kind of on the wall, isn't it? We see it more and more these days. You can form or else. Well, sadly, your president and my prime minister is not alone. If you look around and you note the media, the universities, the large corporations, the so-called elite, they all agree. They're all promoters of a social and moral agenda that's utterly lacking in biblical norms and absolutes. Everything is up for discussion these days, an alteration. As long as it conforms and pays lip service to modern immorality, conform to the new immorality or risk being scorned, rejected, and soon persecuted. And that's serious stuff. What's going on in your country and my country is in Babylon long ago is serious stuff. But lest we overlook this, it's also kind of ludicrous stuff. In Daniel 3, there are these subtle indications that the writer is not really all that impressed with King Nebuchadnezzar. Look carefully, and, and you come across two verbs that are used repeatedly. The one is the verb made, verse 1 and 15. The other is the verb to set up in verse 1, 2, 3, 5, 7, 12, 14, 18. And what are they saying? They're saying that normally you don't worship or get people to worship something that you have made or you have set up. But that's precisely what Nebuchadnezzar does. He wants his people to worship something he has made, he has created, he has invented, he has set up. And the writer is saying, if you read it carefully, how silly. Yes, and it's made even sillier by the musical overkill. How often is this large band not itemized at length? Verse 5, 10, 15, and and you ask yourself, well, why is that? Why do we get to hear about this, these instruments time and time again? Well, that's to tell you that this isn't music, people. This is noise. What do you get when you mix together the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, scyther, harp, pipes, and every kind of instrument? What you get is a racket. An ear-splitting, headache-inducing racket. So really, what the writer is saying is, what we have here is a lot of noise for a man-made idol. All in all, then, this demand for conformity, even today, is a mixture of the serious and the silly. It makes one cry and it makes one laugh. So what happens in our text? 
Well, you soon hear that the king conforms or the people conform to the request of King Nebuchadnezzar. The band, or whatever you want to call it, starts to play, and everybody drops. They all fall down and worship the golden image. When you were young, did you ever play Ring Around the Rosy? I remember I did. Do you remember the, the chorus in that particular children's song? It goes like this. And we all fell down. And that's what the people did in Babylon long ago. They all fell down. Only not quite. For in this huge mass of bowing, fawning, scraping humanity... There are three exceptions, and they're called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, we have met these three fellows earlier in the book. You find them, for example, mentioned in Daniel chapter 1. Interestingly, there too, they are rowing against the stream. They're supposed to eat the king's rich food, but they refuse, probably because it's also very unclean. And instead they say, give us vegetables. And in the end, that's what they get. Why they even, it says, thrive on vegetables. And one is led to imagine, can you imagine thriving on beans, carrots, broccoli, cauliflower, asparagus, Brussels sprouts, maybe even sauerkraut? I think for the children who are fussy eaters among us, there's a lesson in here somewhere. But, you know, this is more about diet and vegetables. This is also about growing. And how these young men grew in knowledge, wisdom, and ability. Chapter 1, verse 20 says that they were ten times better than all the other smart guys in the kingdom. And along with smarts, there came promotions. At the end of chapter 2, we find them in charge of the province of Babylon. And by the way, the province of Babylon is the richest and most powerful province in the empire. So what you have here are three brave, keen, and very bright and successful young men. But notice, they're also something else. They're also a bunch of non-conformists. When the music, or better, the racket begins to play, and everybody else falls down, they do not fall down and worship the golden image. And you can hear soon a bunch of envious... Chaldeans see it and they mention it to the king and King Nebuchadnezzar, he has a royal conniption. He blows his stack, it says in our text, he's furious with rage. He summons them into his presence and he orders them to fall down and worship the image. And he warns them that if they do not, you'll be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And so now it's decision time. What to do? Fall down, worship, and live, or refuse and die a rather hideous death. 
You know, for most people, the answer or the choice is obvious. Give in, surrender, submit, conform, do what they demand. God will not care if we just bow down for a moment. God will understand that we can do more good for him, his people, and the coming of his kingdom if we are alive rather than dead. God doesn't want us to lose our influential positions. You know, the, the rationalizations and the excuses then and even today are, are endless. And today, well, God, God doesn't care if we do drugs. And God understands if we have an abortion or if we practice homosexuality or if we have sex before marriage or outside of marriage or if we're tired of living and want to end our own life. And God knows that everyone else is doing it too. We can make our justification sound so pious, so good. But when it comes to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what do they do? Well, they reply, and you find that in the verses 17 to 18. O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even, even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Now consider that answer. It's a rather remarkable answer. Notice it's a very immediate response. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego don't say to the king, well, your majesty, we need a few days to think about it, pray about it, and we'll come back and give you our answer. No. It's immediate. And second, it's a most believing response. All the stress notice and the answer is on God and what he will or will not do. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, thanks to the working of the Holy Spirit, place all their trust in him. And third, it's an obedient response. These men know the commandments of God, and they also know the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. And that includes King Nebuchadnezzar and his statue. And fourth, it's a confident response. These men know that what their God can do, he's able to deliver them from the burning, fiery furnace. And fifth, it's also a submissive response, by the way. Notice Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do not claim to know the complete will of God in all of this. It may be that he has another purpose in mind, even a purpose that involves them being burned to death. No matter, whatever their God intends, plans, or decides is good with them. In riches or poverty, health or sickness, life or death, God's will is always good.
And six, there is a learning response. In short, the people of God yesterday and the people of God then and the people of God today should learn from this. When it comes to matters of faith and life, God should have our first loyalty and devotion. And his name and his reputation matter more than our comfort, our well-being, even our lives. So in the face of all the modern pressures in this world for us to conform to the new social and moral agenda, we are to say no. And it is no. No matter what. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are tied up, we're told, and they are thrown into the blazing furnace. And notice before that happens, the furnace heat is turned up seven times. It's probably because the king is so upset with these men that he's going to make sure that they burn. And mentions even made of a number of mighty men who escort these three to the furnace and throw them in and how they are fried on the spot. They become toast. And we say to ourselves, these three young men don't stand a chance. Not a hope in the world. Or do they? For notice as our text continues, all of a sudden King Nebuchadnezzar receives the shock of his life. Three men get turned or thrown into the furnace and, and look, there are four men, he says, walking around in the furnace. And in addition, none of these four men are bound. And they're walking around in this blazing fire, freely unhurt, unaffected. Why, it looks as if four people are taking a stroll in a furnace. But there's something else to take note of, of course, and that's the fourth man. Verse 5 or 25 says that the fourth looks like a son of the God. Sometimes it's translated is like the son of God. And the question arises, who is this extraordinary figure? Notice no explanation is given, no name is attached. You know, some are of the opinion, some commentators say this is an angel. Others, and I'm inclined to agree with them, think that this is the Lord Jesus Christ before he became man, flesh and blood. The pre-incarnate Christ, or as he's so often called in the pages of the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord is present suddenly with these three men in the furnace. And if you think of it, isn't that in keeping with what God promises elsewhere? Isaiah 43, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I've summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. You know, think about it. 
Jesus Christ could have called on a water bomber to come and extinguish the flames and the furnace. Or he could have called upon a helicopter to come along and airlift these men out of the burning, fiery furnace. He has all kinds of options available to him. But notice he steps in to the furnace with them, into that most terrible And so often we pray, Lord, lead us not into temptation. But sometimes, sometimes he does. But you know, even when he does, he doesn't leave you there all alone. No, he goes with you. He walks beside you. He gives you strength. You see, when you bear witness to him, whether it be on the job site, in the classroom, or in this world, around your neighborhood, he is there with you. And when you suffer, whether that's from some terrible illness like cancer, or whether it's in the hospital, or whether it's in a persecuting country, he is there. The children of God never, ever travel alone. Our Savior goes with us everywhere, every day, and in everything. Because in Shadrach and Meshach are proof of that as well. King Nebuchadnezzar orders them to come out, and out of the furnace they come, and immediately they are inspected for damage. But there is no damage. No hair is gone. No clothes are singed. No smell continues to linger. It's a huge, huge miracle. And, by the way, King Nebuchadnezzar recognizes it as well. He holds a press conference. And publicly he declares, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who have sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command, my command, and were willing to give up their lives because rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. You can say in the end, King Nebuchadnezzar, Got it right. He was humbled and he learned a valuable lesson. And you know, it's incumbent upon us to pray that the same may happen to those who rule our lands today. May your president, may my prime minister, and all those who are in positions of power, education, and influence learn the same lesson. There's no way you can take on the God of heaven and earth. There's no way that you can stand against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so, beloved, may all of us continue to listen to the voice of True commitment. Stand up for your king no matter what. 
be part of that long line of saints, even martyrs, who didn't march to the noisy racket of this world, but to the glorious music of the kingdom of God. Confess with Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us. But if not, if not, we will not serve your gods. But only the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father in heaven, we come to you this morning and we come with awareness that we live in difficult times. As we look around and hear and listen to what is going on in this world, we realize that we are being confronted with an avalanche of immorality, an avalanche of death and destruction. And we pray, Father, that as your people, we may stand firm. Stand firm for the truth of the gospel. Stand firm and confess your great and holy, awesome name. Stand firm and place all of our trust in Jesus Christ who walks beside us every day in this life. Father, fill us with your spirit and guide us with your word. And give us the kind of backbone that we need so that we don't compromise, but rather live a life of true commitment. In Christ we pray.